Madagascar. Off the coast of Southeast Africa, the world's fourth largest island. Official languages, Malagasy and French. Known for its clay and color as the Red Island. Biodiversity unlike anywhere else on the planet. A beautiful people with a unique and rich history. But unfortunately, the poverty here is also something that Madagascar is known for. And with the worst drought in 30 years, the situation has become even more dire. For this reason, I asked Mark Jacobs of Seed Madagascar to join me today for an update on how the people are doing to better understand the challenges they're facing and to learn a bit more about how we can help. Mark is their managing director. He loves that island, the people, the uniqueness of its plant and animal life. And as you'll hear today, he has a special appreciation for the Seed Madagascar team that continues to serve the Malagasies under these dreadfully difficult circumstances, refusing to give up, refusing to turn away, insisting always that there's hope. This is where adventure meets purpose, where we get to know those who live life beyond status quo. My name is Adam Asher, and this is The Edge of Adventure Podcast. This is The Edge of Adventure. My name is Adam Asher, and it's great to have you with us. Always is. It's always a privilege and a pleasure to talk about things happening in the world today, talking about real need, talking about real pain and real joy. Also getting to meet people and getting to know organizations that are working hard to help bring joy and ease suffering in many, many parts of the world. Today, having back on the show an old friend of mine, Mark Jacobs, is joining us from Seed Madagascar. And of course, if you've been following the Edge of Adventure for the last year, you would be familiar with Mark. He came on and gave us sort of an overview of, of all that Seed Madagascar does. And I will put a link to that interview in the post. But I asked Mark to come back on the show because what's happening right now in Madagascar is extreme and very concerning. And the need there is great, even greater than it was this time last year. So first of all, Mark, welcome to the program and thank you for your work. Great to be back. Great to be back. We're looking forward to uh, to talking about it. This interview, this conversation is going to be structured a little differently. We'll get to some of the overview stuff about Seed Madagascar in just a minute. But I want to jump right into the crisis because, again, that's why we reached out. That's why I wanted to have you back on the show. What's happening in Madagascar right now? You hit the nail on the head with the word crisis. Um, there's been a, an ongoing crisis now, um, really since uh, the start of this year, end of last year. We've been engaged, as you know, with a lot of work to do with the pandemic, um, You know, working with communities, bringing those basic um, health messages to people. But what we started to see was we started to see a, a problem growing beyond the pandemic. We started to see 
uh, hunger um, in communities uh, that we wouldn't normally expect at that time of year. The weather patterns have been particularly strange this year. Um, we noticed that the amount of rainfall was was very much down on the year before. And um, what's happening is, is, is the biggest drought, the biggest problem since 1981. And uh, that's resulted in crops failing. Um, it's resulted in, in prices rising. Um, and it's resulted in, in widespread hunger. Um, at the moment, we're, we're estimating, well, the UN is estimating that, uh, that there's some 1.14 million people at the moment um, living with hunger as a result of this uh, as a result of this drought and arguably as a result of course of, um, of climate change as well mark jacobs is my guest today here on the edge of adventure and he's the managing director at seed madagascar and the overview again just in case for those who've not had the opportunity to, yet to watch the other interview or to listen to it seed madagascar has been standing by the people of Madagascar, the Malagasies, for years and years. Tell us about some of the ways unrelated to the crisis that's going on right now. I mean, I, I think that the situation, I think it'd be fair to say that the situation there has been dire for a long time. It has gotten worse in recent months, and it is a crisis. But they've needed help for a long time, and Seed Madagascar has stood by the Malagasy people and the environment in what ways? Probably the place to start is just to give you a little bit more idea about the um, about the context of Madagascar, about what, what communities face. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a population in Madagascar of some 28 million people. And, um, and those people are, in terms of the World Bank, it's been said that they are the poorest people on earth. And um, their day-to-day -day life is characterised by lack of access to many of the things that you or I would take for granted. Um, I mean, for example, um, there's very low access to clean drinking water. There's very low access to, um, to health care. Uh, I mean, let's just think about health care for a moment. I think in the US um, at the moment, um, there's approximately um, uh, one doctor for every 300 people. Uh, in Madagascar, that jumps to one doctor for every 8,000 people. And, and that gives you a sense of the lack of, of, um, of health care. But as I say, there's also issues with schooling um, in Madagascar, where we work in the southeast. Um, only half the children have ever gone to a school. And a lot of that is to do with, with lack of the facilities there. Madagascar is very much on the back foot in terms of water access, in terms of life expectancy, in terms of uh, child mortality, all of these things. Um, and it's been struggling for many, many years. And, and, and we, um, as an organisation, we recognise that in Madagascar, there's a very much a holistic problem. It's not, it's not something which can be pinpointed into one area. So it's not, um, it's not just about poverty. It's not just about the environment and the loss of forest. And, and at the moment in Madagascar, there's around 90% deforestation. It's, it's a combination of all of the above. Um, and what that means is that the any solution that can be brought by uh, organisations like us has to be really quite holistic in nature. So we, as an organisation, we have um, we work across uh, five different programmatic areas, and those areas fit together as a as a really as a continuum. So you've got projects which are in the area of maternal um, and sexual health. 
Um, you've got projects which are, which sit within the area of education and building schools. You've got livelihoods-based projects really tackling that uh, that poverty issue, helping people to generate a sustainable um, livelihood. Um, and then you've got water and sanitation projects within our wash um, department. And then finally, of course, we've got our conservation work. And, and conservation is, of course, what a lot of people will know about Madagascar. They'll know that it's um, one of the biodiversity hotspots um, on Earth. Um, so it uh, needs preservation, but you can't preserve forest without working closely with the commun communities that are, that are custodian over those forests. So yeah, we, we're very much community-based and we're looking holistically at what is a holistic problem. Mark Jacobs is my guest today, joining us from Seed Madagascar. And one of the things I think, Mark, that makes Seed Madagascar a unique organization are these different areas. And I guess your, your point is it's holistic, so maybe it's shouldn't be this unusual. But at Seed Madagascar, you guys are very concerned about the people. And you are also, simultaneously, very concerned about the environment, about the biodiversity. And I know that you got yourself into this because you were drawn to the biodiversity. And again, in the previous uh, interview, and I highly, highly recommend people go back and listen to it just to get to know Seed Madagascar more in depth. I mean, we're going to talk about it today, but we we really went in depth in that initial interview. And, and we also got to know you and your heart. But I want to talk a little bit more about that just to put into perspective what Seed Madagascar is, because you are concerned about the entirety of that island. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, in Madagascar, there's really a downward um, spiral, and, and, and that's what connects, you know, all of these things, um, all of these areas of work together. You know, I, as you said, I mean, I, I come from a biology background. Um, you know, my studies were all around biodiversity and the need to try and preserve and conserve uh, biodiversity. There's nowhere else on Earth that is similar to Madagascar, 90% of all of the plants and animals that you find in Madagascar are only found in Madagascar. It's unique. So I came from a perspective where it was very much about preserving those species, but, but those species are next door to a community that is incredibly poor and that is struggling to try and survive, to try and keep their children and healthy to get their children access to clean drinking water to just get food on the table of course the, the two interact you know and uh, and the poorer those people are the more likely they are to go into the forest and cut areas of forest for their agriculture or harvest things which are maybe unsustainable from that forest so the idea of trying to trying to focus just on one thing um, it just simply wouldn't work. I mean, you know, you can't you can't put a fence um, around a forest because a hungry person will always climb over that fence. You've got to work with communities to make sure that they can achieve a reasonable standard of living with access to the things that you and I um, enjoy every day and have just come to take for granted. But then they also need to have enough enough money to be able to to survive and have an education and have all of these things. At the same time, and if they can do that, then they will leave. They will leave and respect the forest, and and uh, and you'll succeed on all of those varied fronts along that continuum of, of sustainable development. 
Mark, help us understand the life of a Malagasy, these uh, precious people living, those who are living under these dire, dire circumstances. Help me understand what they're facing, what this crisis is doing to, to the average family that you guys are helping. Sure. That's who we speak to every day is the average family. You know, we're a very grassroots organization. 80% of our staff are Malagasy. They are those families. The situation which I described at the start, that lack of access, it has got even worse. It's got even, it's got even harder. The drought is affecting people's day-to-day -day lives. Um, when people go to the market, they're seeing that, uh, that, that food is incredibly expensive. Uh, the price of rice has gone up. It varies a lot, but it, it goes up sometimes 20, 30 percent, which pushes it out of the reach of, of people. That's pushing your average person to have to try and seek food in other directions, um, which is encroaching on conservation issues. But it also means that people are just going out and uh, uh, employing what I would call a famine strategy. Um, they're eating plants um, in the from the swamps, which normally wouldn't be eaten, have to be boiled for hours just to make them edible. They're harvesting from the sea. I mean, animals and sharks and things like that, which um, uh, they're just doing anything they can to get basic nutrition. I've even been reading um, and hearing about articles where people are eating clay just to try and fill their stomach. So the, people are seeing these rising prices um, they're seeing um, the, the lack of rain and they're watching their, their, their fields um, wither. I mean, just an example from a conversation which I had with one of my staff members the other day. He grows um, cassava as, um, uh, you know, as, as, as his food source um, and his family's food source. And what he has um, found is that um, his cassava field has been systematically people have been coming along and stealing the cassava because they're so desperate. And this is cassava, which is maybe a tenth of the size that it should be when it's harvested. And it, it's got to the point where he's been, he's been sleeping every night in his field to try and stop people from taking the cassava. The desperation has led him to the point where he's decided to actually cut all of the cassava, taking the, 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 the leaves off the cassava, which means the cassava will die but it might have a chance of thriving next year when there is some kind of rain. So people are desperate. I mean, I, I, I hear about people that are, that are walking for two days just to bring bananas back to their families, you know, as, as many bananas as they can carry from areas um, in, the, um, in the mountains where bananas are still growing. And this, what we're just entering now in Madagascar is we are, um, we are just entering what would be the normal lean season, the tough time. But of course, this is getting even more tough than usual. Not only is it a desperate time, but, but unfortunately, all the signs are telling us that this is going to get worse. Seed Madagascar. Mark Jacobs is my guest today. He is the managing director. And I know, Mark, that you have an appreciation and a respect for your staff, many of whom are on the ground in Madagascar, many of whom, I think the vast majority of which, are Malagasy's themselves. Speak to them directly. Forget about the rest of us. What do you want to say to that precious group of uh, people that are working so hard under difficult circumstances? I would want to say that, we're, that they are our family um, and that we're there for them 
um, and that they're there for their communities. And for me, it's always been um, the greatest privilege to work with people like that, um, to work with people that are that are that selfless. None of our international staff have been able to be in Madagascar, um, you know, since the pandemic started, since we we had to repatriate. My team in Madagascar of 80 or so Malagasy staff who represent, the, to me, the, the best of humanity, they have worked tirelessly um, through difficult conditions, um, through the pandemic where there are no safety nets as we've got here. And they've been going out, they've been building schools, they've been um, uh, working on hand washing stations to prevent the spread of COVID. Um, they've been working um, to, uh, it, to increase the message about sexual health across Madagascar. And they've been working with groups to try and help to, to generate income, which is of course a way out of this problem. You know, my message, um, pure and simple to my staff would be thank you. Um, thank you for doing what you do. Um, thank you for sticking with it. Um, and thank you for being exceptional. Mark, I know Seed Madagascar, as we mentioned a couple of minutes ago, takes a holistic approach. And you guys have so many different programs that address all the different pieces of the puzzle that are required to bring progress and hope and healing. Walk us through with brief overviews of those areas and how they all fit together. There's a lot of projects. Um, there's a lot of projects that we uh, that we do over over different areas. Our, our maternal health and, and sexual health work, probably the largest project um, that we've got within that, um, is working to try and work closely with the government to try and adapt and change the national curriculum when it comes to sexual health uh, and bring in a rights-based approach so that children that are going through school understand that sexual health is their right um, and understand how they can attain the sexual health and uh, move on from that. And our, and our work is not only about that curriculum, um, but it's also about working closely across Madagascar with lots of organisations helping to implement that curriculum. So it's not just a, a kind of dusty book that sits on the shelf. It's an active living document which is being used. Our work in education is mainly about school building. I mean, to date, we've built um, in the region of about 35 schools um, and each school has sanitation and water facilities. Um, we're working to, um, to make sure that we are maintaining the teachers there by building a teacher's house. It, they're, they're, again, in themselves, they're quite holistic projects, which mean that we can provide that whole institution that mean an education can continue in Madagascar, uh, in those particular rural um, villages. Our livelihoods work is many and varied, but I suppose the, the, the project which I, would, which I would mention would be our um, our work, um, we work with a, with a cooperative of, of around 100 women now, um, and they're all producing um, embroidery to their own designs, um, often um, displaying a bit of the culture of Madagascar. And that's helping to generate income and help people to, um, to survive. And that's one of several livelihoods based projects that we have in the area of wash or water and sanitation. We've got a huge project that's working at the moment with um, with UNICEF covering, um, I think it's, it's around 200,000 people, uh, very, very spread out, um, and working with them to uh, make sure that all of those communities by the end of the project um, are what we would call open defecation free. They're using toilets ultimately, which is the ultimate aim is to really improve health and, and, and water um, uh, purity in those communities. 
And then with our, um, with our work in conservation, it's, it's very much about kind of person-centered conservation. We're not really interested in going off and doing studies which are, which are not gonna benefit um, the, the, the forest in the long term and the communities. And we're not interested in excluding the community from that work. So a lot of our work is about working with the community to work out how we can conserve um, those areas of forest. One of, the, one of the biggest projects we're doing is at the moment building forested corridors between fragments of forest which contain lemurs, the primates of Madagascar. Um, and these fragments of forest, they need to be connected, otherwise the populations are so isolated they will die out. But these corridors allow movement between them. And I was in a meeting yesterday and it was telling me that uh, we, we found out that some of those trees that we planted in the corridors, they're already four meters tall. Um, so very soon, hopefully, we'll start to see animals passing through and being able to benefit from the wider area. But I would say that actually the work we're doing with food distribution it kind of doesn't fit any of those. It's emergency response. Um, and our work is usually about long-term, uh, long-term sustainable change, working with communities. Uh, emergency response is, is, is not our natural area. Um, it's a short-term fix, but it's totally necessary because there's just not enough hands on the ground at the moment um, to stop the widespread problems that we're seeing. So we had to step in. We had to make an appeal and we had to then um, you know, work with communities to, to work out how we can impact um, on that problem of food shortages. This is The Edge of Adventure. I'm Adam Asher. Thanks for joining us for this update from Seed Madagascar. The conversation with Mark Jacobs, their managing director, will continue in just a moment. But first, I wanted to answer a question that I've received quite a few times recently. Adam, how can I help? Well, first of all, thank you for this question and for the sentiment. This means more to me than I could possibly describe. So thank you. There's going to be quite a few things, actually, in the very near future. But honestly, right now, the main thing that you can do to help is spread the word. Let your friends and family know about The Edge of Adventure, the podcast, the docu-series, where we highlight the work of international humanitarian organizations serving others in remote, often forgotten corners of the globe. Let them know about Rugged Compass, the new mobile app and community that takes social media and podcasting and video into life's greatest adventure where we feature travel, culture, languages, and, of course, humanitarian service. Adventure, purpose, that's the theme for these things. And I know it struck a chord with you. So if you'd like to help, anything you can do to help get the word out and to share the edge of adventure and rugged compass, anything you can do in that regard is very much appreciated. The two websites to remember and to share are as follows theedgeofadventure.com that's theedgeofadventure.com and for the mobile app ruggedcompass.com that's ruggedcompass.com thanks again now let's get back to my conversation with Mark Jacobs managing director at Seed Madagascar as he shares a bit more about the Red Island its uniqueness and the challenges they're now facing as we continue now on the edge of adventure.
our focus today is the island of Madagascar, the island nation, very unique, very diverse. Of course, we've had Mark Jacobs on the show previously. He's the managing director at Seed Madagascar. And I did, I asked him to come back on the show just because I've been seeing the the crisis and the rise in the need in Madagascar. And this convergence of, of multiple crises, I think, and that's part of what's so difficult for places like Madagascar already, you know, going prior to the pandemic, you could have classified what was happening in Madagascar as a crisis. And then you bring the pandemic on top of it. And then you bring this extended drought, which is, according to Mark, this uh, probably goes back to 1981, the last time a, a drought of this nature was experienced. And, and yet it's always tough and has been in recent years and decades. So, of course, our thoughts and prayers are with those guys. And we appreciate Seed Madagascar so much for the work that they do. And we know, as you just said, the, your efforts in food distribution and emergency response has been over and above all the, the programs that you've had for years, that you've worked to develop for years, and they're all important. And as we've mentioned, you've mentioned, I've mentioned, Madagascar is such a unique place with such a unique beauty and the biodiversity and the plant life and the animal life. You have also, and you continue to, to protect and to care for this biodiversity. And I think it would be an injustice if you didn't tell us a few of the characteristics in terms of animal life and plant life pertaining to Madagascar, what would be two or three of the highlights where you say, oh, this is what it, you know, one of the items or one of the, the animals that Madagascar is known for, where you just don't find it anywhere else on earth? To be honest, I could probably, you know, nine out of out of ten animals that I could name in Madagascar would be unique, and so many of them are are, are unique, the very specific area. Um, so I, I, I'm spoiled for choice. I mean, of course, I would I would have to mention um, the lemurs, and, and there we go. There is a there is a, a lemur. The lemurs in Madagascar are, are, are a relic population, I suppose you would say. Um, lemurs are the, uh, the predecessors of the higher primates, um, the apes, and um, uh, they used to spread all the way across Africa, um, lemur-like animals. Unfortunately, um, those died out across Africa. They were outcompeted. But in Madagascar, they thrived. And not only did they thrive, but they diversified. So in Madagascar, you've got bizarre and strange lemurs from tiny little mouse lemurs um, literally the size of a mouse, um, to, to large lemurs. In fact, there were lemurs that are now extinct, but they were the size of gorillas. So they're effectively gorillas, but with much smaller and less developed and less evolved um, brains. Let's, let's, let's think about one of those lemurs. Uh, the II is one which is always, uh, which is always a, a, of interest. And it, it's learned to uh, inhabit a niche that is, is completely bizarre. Um, the eye eye has, has ears, it, it, it comes out at night and it has ears like a bat so that it can hear what is, uh, what is, uh, uh, what is going on. It's, it's developed one, one finger, which is elongated and spiny so that it can put it inside, um, uh, tree holes in order to collect grubs. So it's, it has become so adapted to its one particular niche. 
um, that it's absolutely spectacular. It's spectacular. And everywhere you look, as a biologist, I mean, you, you pick up a stone and look underneath it and you find something unique that probably hasn't been described by science yet. So um, the, the, the wonder never stops um, in Madagascar. It really is a, a treasure trove in terms of biodiversity. Seed Madagascar, a very unique and important organization working in Madagascar on a variety of different levels. We're just chatting today about a, a few of them. You know, I mean, it, there's uh, so much. I think in this case, it would take a long time to delve into detail about all of these things, which is why I'm going to recommend that if you're listening to this and you did not hear the first interview that I had with Mark, I'd, I'd encourage you, and I'll put a link in the post so that uh, you can make that easy. You can watch the video version. You can listen to the audio version. In that one, we went into great detail about the different, you, the different ways that see. I mean, that Madagascar is unique and the animal life and the plant life, and it's fascinating. You get an education when you talk to Mark. You get an education on these type of things, and you also get their heart, as he represents the heart of this organization for the people of of Madagascar and the the Malagasies. Remind me how many languages are represented approximately in Madagascar? How many languages? Well, I mean, the, the, the language of Madagascar, of Madagascar is Malagasy. Um, and it's, it, you can go um, to any of the, of the tribes of Madagascar and they will understand each other. There are dialects, um, but in general, people will um, understand each other. So really there's, 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 there's the one native language with various different nuances for different areas which you go to then of course there's the colonial language um which is uh, which is spoken which is french um, and probably next um down the pecking order um is is english the language side of things i always find very very fascinating and and the history of languages and how they became what they are fascinating and the uniqueness of Madagascar and its history and its people and of course its environment and the the biodiversity and all this it's it makes it for a very it makes for a very very interesting conversation to just talk about about this island nation Mark tell me what needs to happen now I mean as we look ahead the challenges you've talked about what kind of help do you guys need what needs to happen to help the people and also simultaneously the environment, but certainly to help the people during this crisis in Madagascar. Well, let, let, let me tell you uh, very briefly what we're what we've been doing really since um, since we started this this particular work on food distribution in January of this year. The first step was really to work out our method of working and how we could do this so that we weren't just supporting from outside we were we were um, helping to build the capacity of the community so what we did is we identified rural clinics that we could work through and we identified those clinics and we we started to train and support the staff that were already in those clinics the government staff but we help them with, uh, with training on how to identify malnutrition, how to distribute food, how to keep the necessary records. After that training, um, we worked again closely with local government and to try and make sure we were, we were working in priority areas where no one else was working, so where there was no safety net at all. During those assessments, the communities 
um, would go into the clinics and the staff working closely with seed staff um, would identify children that were uh, one of the three categories. Um, they were either um, moderately um, acutely malnourished, severely acutely malnourished, or severely acutely malnourished with complications. And we had different routes for each of those, um, each of those groups. With, with, the, with the malnourished children, not the ones with complications, what we would do is we would start a, um, a programme um, of food support using um, very specialist um, support, which is meant for malnourished children. It's a, um, a bar, very high protein and nutrition. At the same time, what we what we recognised was that um, a, a malnourished child indicated a problem in the family because in Madagascar, the families are very, very strong. If one person is starving, everyone in the family is starving. So it also initiated distribution of food to the family in the form of rice and beans um, and in the form of oil as well. So our work really has been identifying those children supporting them, supporting their families, anyone with complications um, from malnutrition, we supported them to get to hospital and their family to get to hospital so that those complications can be treated by medical um, professionals. But what it's resulted in is it's, it's resulted in 50,000 portions of, um, of that specialist food um, going out, 40,000 kilograms of, of rice being distributed we identified in total some 650 children that desperately needed help along with their families, and we worked with them. The results are that, um, that, that around 98, 99% of those children that were identified as, as malnourished or severely malnourished, in our, in our post-evaluation, they no longer were malnourished. They had recovered. But unfortunately, the situation is much wider than that. And in the same period, more children are getting affected by this thing. And, and we need to get greater capacity as an organization. We need more money to be able to supply more rice and more food and spread our, um, our safety net further, spread it wider. So that's really what it comes down to. We've got the know-how, we've got the, the work with the communities, we've got the network, we've got access to food that we can get hold of. What we need now is is money, um, and it's it's unfortunately it's as simple as that, and that's the difference uh, between starvation and not um, right now. We've got donation links set up so that you know anyone who wants to donate can do. We've got one on global giving, which I'll give you the uh, um, the uh, the details for um, to put up on the um, on the links. But there, people can get uh, can get five hundred one c three status. They can give tax efficient donations which can go direct out to where they're needed, working with a grassroots organisation who will be helping children like the one um, in, the, um, in the photo there. There's lots of ways that people can help. Um, and, uh, and I'm here personally to talk with people to find out, um, to make sure that, that donations really help uh, and that we maximise the benefits for individuals. If it's a company, absolutely we want people to be spreading the word about this um, and showing their involvement and hopefully giving themselves a little bit of support as well. Mark Jacobs is Managing Director at Seed Madagascar. And just like the first time we had him on the show, there's no different this time. You hear his heart and you hear his dedication. Also, the other thing about Mark, and I think it's reflected in the in the organization, is is this sense of thoroughness they they approach this in a very holistic fashion and in a very thorough fashion uh, 
that's needed because the, the crisis and the needs in Madagascar are great. And to approach it in this holistic way, very thorough, very thought, you know, thought out type approach is inspiring. So I really appreciate Mark Jacobs and his friendship and his work in Madagascar, his uh, love for the island, the people and, and all the biodiversity as we've mentioned several times. And as you will hear when you listen to the other interview in particular, where we delve into a little bit of his background and how he how he got uh, involved and got this heart for Madagascar. It's also just as a uh, as a biologist, right, with a, interested in the 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 life and the plants and the animals and how unique they are and the very very unique history that has made all of this possible for Madagascar. But yes, the crisis is immense. It's a it, it is a life and death struggle. I think that you know, to say the least, that that is the case. It is a serious issue as we've discussed today. So yes, we will have direct links in the posts that will help you go right to the source where you could give and support financially. But in general, and a great place to start would be their website, which I'm pulling up on the screen now here on the video version, madagascar.co.uk. That's madagascar.co.uk. Great place to get to know them more, I'm sure, as well. You can find out details there, give from there. And, of course, we'll have those other links included. Mark, as we wrap up the show, what else needs to be said at this very drastic and, and dire time? Thank you. Um, I think is the uh, is, is is the most important thing to say. I think one of the biggest challenges um, for um, for Madagascar and for this crisis in particular um, is that people don't know about it. This this disaster is unfolding uh, almost behind closed doors. So the opportunity to be able to talk about these things is is wonderful. Um, and if you've heard, if you've listened to this, share it, share the podcast so that other people can hear what it's about. Share our web page, join our social media feed and share the related um, information um, about, um, about the food distribution. Because by getting the word out, that's how we change things. Um, it's by people hearing uh, passionate people that, 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 that they're not going to stand by, um, you know, whilst children are, are, are going to bed hungry. So yeah, thank you, Adam. Um, I mean, it's been it's been a great pleasure and a privilege to um, to talk to you um, and your your base of um, of followers. Um, and um, yeah, I feel very privileged that I've been asked back twice. <laughs> well, it won't be the last time. You know, it, it's something we enjoy doing, and we have a new, of course, broadcast every week. We like to release those on Mondays, and the need is great, the opportunity is great, and I often say. This life is, is going to bring us joy and pain, and you just have to learn to embrace them both. There is great pain and great suffering in this life, and yet there's also great joy. There's goodness and good things happening, and to know that there's suffering in Madagascar, that hurts. That hurts. I mean, there's pain that is created there, and then to know that there are people working to help ease that suffering. And to help when when people need it, that's a sense of joy and a sense of goodness. So it's great to talk about that, brother. And I look forward to having you back on the show in the future. Mark Jacobs, uh, he's been my guest today. And their website is madagascar.co.uk. You can also look for them across social media. 
Seed Madagascar. You can look up the post, the associated post on theedgeofadventure.com. For this, you'll find the audio version, the video version, and all the links to their organization and all the different platforms all in one place. Just to make it easy, I put it all on theedgeofadventure.com slash podcast. You'll find it all there. And here comes a shameless plug. You'll also find Seed Madagascar and the content they share and the hope they share in the new mobile app called Rugged Compass. And that's an app that I've launched sort of in the, along the same theme as, as the show here. It's, it's just meant to be a place where all these organizations can share their heart and all the people that love the organizations and love adventure and purpose in this way can all kind of come together in one location and be supportive of organizations like Seed Madagascar. So it's my honor to say they're in Rugged Compass and you can follow them there and follow their posts and uh, get their updates as well. Thank you all. We'll see you next time right here on another edition of the Edge of Adventure podcast. And I appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you. We'll talk soon. My name is Adam Asher, and you've been listening to the Edge of Adventure podcast. To learn more, log on to theedgeofadventure.com. And while you're there, check out the video series where we go off the grid to discover some of the great things people are doing all around the globe to make the world a better place. I call it my search for adventure and purpose. You'll find us on social media too. Just look for the hashtag, The Edge of Adventure. Thanks for joining us. Always great to have you with us as together we aim to live life for something bigger than ourselves. This is The Edge of Adventure, where we go beyond status quo.